If you compare beer with bratwurst, and cheese with wine, or even whiskey, with donuts, then we think you can pair all of these delicious drinks with murder, conspiracies, missing persons, and more. Drink with us as you feed your craving for true crime and creepy stories. Hey there. Well, 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 hello you. <laughs> we meet again. Indeed we do. It's uh, not like I haven't seen you all day, but <laughs> we are here in front of our mics and it's like uh, we're whole new people at this point. Yes. Yeah. Refreshed. Yeah. Um, we... Channel. I'm ready for adult conversation. Exactly. We we channel in our inner podcasters <laughs> and are ready to have adult conversations <clears throat> that don't involve our kids. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> and we desperately need that yes. a lot. Um, once a week works, though. Um, it's been working. Yes. Um, all right. So here we go on to another podcast. Uh, yep. And we're back to true crime. All Last right. week, it was kind of like a hokey mystery, conspiracy theory, aliens, Bigfoot. The two weeks before that were government MK. conspiracies. And so now we're just going true old-fashioned crime. Oh. And it feels good. You know, it's funny. Uh, when I was walking around the liquor store today, trying to be inspired by all the names of these beers and wines and different... I was just trying to find something that captures the tidbits that you told me. Yeah. I couldn't help but like see other beers that I would have picked for like MK Ultra. <laughs> there was like a couple really good ones. Don't like start one thinking was, like that. I, I can't help it. Like we might have to go back just for, <laughs> the, you know, pairing it with a cool name of a beer. Like one What did you see? Well, one was M2K2. Oh, I have no idea what that means, I, but it sounds amazing. It's a mountain. I I, oh. I think I, I'm not a climber. I'm not much of a hiker. But I'm pretty sure it's a 14er around here. Um, but how perfect would that have been? Yeah. <laughs> Literally MK, isn't it? Um, anyway, um, so. What did you find? I'm curious because this story, it was a recommendation for somebody who listens, who we actually happen to know. Yes. And he's our, our good, good friend, Josh. And the story itself is just very sporadic. In terms of like clues I could give you. Because it's not a place. It's a time period. But the person has nothing to do really with the time period. So I have no idea what you chose. <laughs> well, you gave me, um, I think, some pretty good things um, for me. I said to, the word gorilla. <laughs> well, yeah. Gorilla. Um, you know, Hitchhiker. Hitchhiker um, across the continent and also yeah. continent like intercontinental yeah. uh, between a couple and so i had really and oh of course murderer um i think he said like, oh he's the sexual assault is in there the first, i had a lot to like go into just to just hype him up a little bit not that we would want to he is the first known sexual serial killer of the 20th century right and he yeah, killed in the united said. states and canada so what yeah. do Canadians say? And you said he also, like, at the whole United States from, like, San Francisco all the way to... Almost coast to coast. coast. Yeah, coast to coast. So, and you said at some point in the beginning, and hopefully I'm not spoiling anything by throwing this out there, that there, he, his nickname was Houdini, I think. 
Um, um, that was one of his nicknames. One of his he was nicknames? called Houdini, yes, because he was an escape master. So, <clears throat> with all those, uh-huh. walking around, um, found a couple, but I just always came back to this. I went from our uh, good local <laughs> microbrew, not too far from here, from um, Arvada, Colorado, which I went to school in Arvada and mm-hmm. know that place very well. Um, Odyssey Beer Works, and they make a beer called Ghost Drifter. Oh, perfect. He actually, he very much was a drifter. That's what I figured. I mean, he it, found places to rent. Right. And if I'm learning anything from you telling uh, me all these stories, is that if there is somebody killing in a bunch of different places, they're drifters. They're in and out. And if they're not getting caught, they're not they getting might as caught. well be a ghost. Exactly. Exactly. And if this guy. Uh, you know, had a nickname like Houdini and killed all these places. And you've given me some other um, clues about the story, but I, I, I won't go into it. I'll let you share that because you're so much better at it than me. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. This story came together pretty quick today. <laughs> um, well, I, I guarantee it's still better than what I can put together. Because right here, <laughs> right right now, I'm like, you know, barely even getting to our beer and doing yeah. it well. Um, anyway, Ghost Drifter, it's a it's a pale ale. Um, okay, liking it already. So, uh, just a few notes on their notes. Um, they say it's got citrus and floral notes. Uh, a hop forward, so it's going to have a bit of a hop uh, in the beginning. It's not your favorite, but it's well balanced. And they also claim, I'm not going to say it is or not. We'll let you decide. Uh, clean and easy drinking. And judging on the... Clean and easy, (laughs) just the way you like them. Uh, That's not the way I like it. (laughs) I mean, easy, for sure. (laughs) Um, The ABV is not high, so I actually... Alcohol by volume. I bet you'll like it. It's only 5.5. Lovely. Yeah. Right up my alley. And where where did you say it was from? It's from uh, Odyssey Beer Works in Arvada. Arvada. Arvada... Cadavra. No, uh, Arvada Colorado. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I knew at some point we'd fit a Harry Potter joke. Oh, not even here. at some point. I mean, I don't know how it doesn't happen every episode. That's all I think about. For those of you that don't know Katie. True crime and Harry Potter. <laughs> that's that's And if life. it's around Christmas, it's all about Harry Potter. <laughs> yep. Literally was watching Harry Potter today. today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here's oh. yours. Okay. Let's crack these guys open. Cheers. Cheers. Almost Merry mm. Christmas. Or as they say in Harry Potter, Happy Christmas. Happy, happy <laughs> Christmas. Not the same ring. Nope, nope, nope. That is full hop in my mouth. No, it's that not. is an IPA flavor. No, that is not crazy IPA. What are you trying to pull, Arvada? That's Arvada. good. No, that is like... Well, the can is cool. It's very cool. It's very pirate-themed. Yeah. Gosh. Um, well-balanced. I don't know about that. I think it is. It's got uh, no. very much citrus, floral. Oh, Maybe I'll get used to it. Yeah, quit being a baby. You'll you'll get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. All right. It's not so bad. 
It's not so bad. Five sips in, and I don't hate it anymore. Can't judge a beer on the first sip. But it is hop forward. Like, it is oh. like, I feel like, I know, on the magazine. On the magazine. I feel like on? this is how I, this, if I were a beer, this would be me. Like, at first, people are like, yeah, I don't know. I really don't like her. And then five sips later, she's okay. She's all right. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> I'll handle her. <laughs> uh, yeah, all right. No, 100%. I, I think that that would be the case. Well, a beer called Ghost Drifter is perfectly paired with a story about a man who absolutely traveled the country from town to town looking for signs reading Room for Rent. And in his wake, he would leave women's bodies stuffed in everyday places like beneath beds or in trunks. This is the story of the Gorilla Strangler. On June 8th, 1927, a Mr. Chandler from Winnipeg, Manitoba, was making the trip back home from Detroit, Michigan. Driving part of this trip along the highway, Mr. Chandler noticed a man walking along the busy road. This man had dark hair beneath a pale hat and darker complected skin beneath a red sweater. Mr. Chandler decided to offer this stranger a ride and would later recall that he seemed pleasant and of a religious type. The stranger would get out of Mr. Chandler's car in Noyes, Minnesota, which is a small town just one mile south of the international border. He then proceeded on foot and crossed into Canada. Once in Canada, our dark stranger accepted a ride from a couple. John Hanna and his wife would take him into the center of Winnipeg, where he got out of their vehicle and once again commenced on foot. From here, our stranger would wander into a second-hand clothing store where he would trade various pieces of men's clothing and be given a blue herringbone coat, a pair of pants, black boots, and one dollar. Leaving the second-hand shop, our stranger, as he walks through the streets of Winnipeg, spies what he had been looking for, a sign proclaiming, Room for Rent. It will be at this rooming house that our stranger, introducing himself as Mr. Woodcotts. Woodcotts? Woodcotts. Woodcotts. Mr. Woodcotts. Just make it sure. I know. I have to say it and then I want to laugh every time. Just because of what? Because it reminds me of... Mr. Woodcock? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You had to say it just to get your giggles out. Would rent a small room from Mrs. Catherine Hill who would also remember our stranger as polite, but of a religious nature. Mr. Woodcotts would explain that he simply was a man working on a building site just across the river. Now, here in Winnipeg, a 14-year-old girl named Lola Cohen was trying to help out her family. Her father was recovering from pneumonia, and the family was in need of any financial assistance that they could get. So Lola decided that she would sell flowers door to door. This is what she was doing when she disappeared. A search for young Lola began and was still underway on June 10th when William Patterson returned home at 6 p.m. from work and noticed that his wife was missing. His two sons were said to have a play date that afternoon after school, but his wife had failed to pick up the boys when it was to have ended. Despite a neighbor saying that she saw her 
cleaning around the home that morning. While looking around the home, Mr. Patterson noticed that a suitcase in his bedroom had been moved and the lock on the case was forced open. Upon closer inspection, Mr. Patterson realized that the valuable jewelry pieces and money from within was gone. Once it was clear something was off, Mr. Patterson would alert the authorities and then after feeding his sons, would tuck them into bed late that night, telling them that their mama would soon be home. Then, our God-fearing Mr. Patterson got down on his knees in his son's bedroom to pray. According to later testimony, Patterson asked God to direct him to where his wife was. And as he stood, his pant leg caught and disturbed his son's bedspread, which revealed what appeared to be his wife's favorite wool sweater. Reaching under the bed, Patterson discovered the dead body of his wife. What? Yes. God says, ask and it will be given to you. So his pant leg caught on a sweater. No, no. He gets down to pray. Stands to get up and his pant leg like brushes the kid's bedspread, revealing what looks like his wife's sweater. So he reaches under the bed to like touch his wife's dead body. I gotcha. So... The bedspread goes down to the floor. Yeah, yeah. Moved it and yes. sweater. So recognize that thing. Yes. Well, police would determine that Emily Patterson had been raped and strangled. When her attacker was through with her, he stuffed her body under the child's bed. Jeez, that's so fucked uh, up. His son is like asleep on a mattress and his mom's body is dead beneath it. When's mama coming home? She already is. Like, it's awful. <laughs> Why didn't mom pick me up? She's dead <laughs> under your bed. In Damn. Her, that's uh, messed up. <clears throat> In her fist was a bloody clump of hair belonging to the perpetrator. It would be concluded that the attacker also had stolen several pieces of men's clothing. Based on the stolen items, including clothing, Canadian officials believed that Emily's tacker must be a traveler. So they decided to begin searching at various boarding houses. By June 12th, this search effort led them to Miss Catherine Hill's boarding house. And in searching her most recent boarder's room, they would first be greeted with a putrid stench. To Miss Hill, it smelled as though Mr. Woodcott's had left out meat. Yeah. To the officers the smell had a more ominous feel. They would discover the body of Lola Cohen stuffed beneath the bed. It is said that Lola's body was so mangled that police refused to provide the public with many details beyond the facts that she was raped and strangled. Jeez. Hmm. Now, once it was revealed that Mr. Woodcott's was not only the man to rape and kill Emily Patterson, but also to do the same to young Lola Cohen's. How old was Lola? 14. Lola? Lola. Lola. 14? 14. It wasn't just the entire Royal Mounted Police who wanted justice. It seemed as though every law-abiding citizen in the small town wanted to find the man who had committed these atrocious crimes. 
a $1,500 reward was put up for information on a possible traveler in the area around the time of the two attacks. This result, no, this reward resulted in a call from Mr. John Hanna, who provided the description of the man that he and his wife had driven into Winnipeg days earlier. This description was blasted out to local departments and constables in Killarney, Manitoba, Killarney, I don't know, it's a place in Canada, arrested a man who fit the bill just 20 kilometers from the South Dakota border. Hmm. Virgil Wilson, as he claimed, was very cooperative as he was taken into custody by the Killarney, Manitoba police. He was taken to the jail there, and he was so cooperative that the constables began to question whether or not they were arresting the right man. Ignoring this doubt, the man claiming to, Vir- claiming to be Virgil was put in a century-old cell where he calmly lay down on the straw mattress, which sat atop the iron bed frame, which hung from the wall. Now, the constable who put Wilson into the cell needed to send a telegraph to Winnipeg, notifying them that they possibly could have their man in custody. After sending the telegraph, this constable would buy a cigar and a newspaper. He was shocked to find the cell door open and the prisoner completely gone. All right. So we got our first Houdini moment. Yes. See, at some point, our prisoner found a piece of wire, picked the double lock, and had snuck out of the jail completely unnoticed. You see, the man who called himself Virgil Wilson was not actually Virgil Wilson. And if the Killarney police had known who they actually had in their cell, I don't think they would have left him alone, even for one minute. Mm. So we have to go back. Earl Leonard Farrell was born on March 12, 1987 in San Francisco. Both of his parents would die due to syphilis before he reached the age of two. Earl orphaned, was surrendered to his maternal grandparents, Lars and Jenny Nelson. There he lived with two other children, his aunt and uncle, respectively ages 10 and 8 years old. Oh, so yeah. his, his grandparents <laughs> have kids. His, um, his mom's siblings. Yeah, but they're like young. Much young younger. Now. But this is 18... 18- yeah. Right. 1987? No, what? it's 1887. Probably had their first kid at like 15, If I said 15, 1987, 16. that's incorrect. It's 1887. I might have said 19. I think so, but it's the 18. I was, I was picturing 1887. No. Well, and you can't tell when you say, you know, like the Royal Mounted Police because they still call Because that's that. Canada. And <laughs> it's like, uh, you guys can't come up with something cooler like LAPD? I think know? Royal Mounted Police is way cooler than the LAPD. Are you kidding? Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm American. I'd be way more scared of like, well, maybe not anymore. But back in the day, you know, LAPD. Well, I didn't have much respect for the Royal Mounted Police until I I researched the story. At least a hundred plus years ago, they could do things right. Now I think they're a little soft on crime. Go Canada. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably not their choice. It's probably what they're told to do. 
Yeah, probably. <laughs> now, it seemed like one of his grandparents' first orders of business was to change his name to match theirs. So he became Earl Leonard Nelson. It was in this very devout Pentecostal home where Earl was taught Puritan beliefs, including the notion that sex was dirty and that hellfire and damnation awaited all sinners. Earl's grandparents sought to make him quiet and submissive, but despite their efforts, Earl was becoming something else altogether. His grandmother would say that Earl would leave for school in the mornings, properly dressed, and when he returned home in the afternoons, he would return in an outfit that was unkept, even shredded at times. Getting fights at school? I don't know. Young Earl would be described as, quote, unquote, a daydreamer and, quote, unquote, a compulsive masturbator. <laughs> Which I wonder if those two things go hand in hand. <laughs> Come on, he's just a regular teenage boy, and um, well, and he's creative. He's probably got, uh, I don't know, ADHD, super bad. I like the way you say yeah. teenage boy. At age seven. Oh gosh, chronic <laughs> masturbation. Stop laughing. Earl was expelled from Agaz's primary school due to odd and morbid behavior. Then, at age ten, while cycling. Earl collided with a streetcar and would suffer a traumatic brain injury. Ooh. After spending six days in a coma, Earl awoke and would forever complain of headaches and memory loss. Mm. In addition to those symptoms, this brain injury brought on even more erratic behavior. Earl began speaking to people who weren't actually there. He would quote the Bible compulsively and was caught many times trying to watch women, including women in his own family, undress. By the time Earl was a young teen, it was not uncommon for him to visit brothels and bars in the San Francisco Barbary Coast Red Light District. As he grew, Earl would grow quite strong, stocky yet formidable, being described as having big hands and oddly long arms. His first brush with law enforcement came when he was 18 years old in 1915, after he broke into a cabin he believed was abandoned. But this breaking and entering resulted in a two-year San Quentin sentence. Earl would be paroled the next year, but it wouldn't be long till he found himself on the wrong side of the law yet again. Just six months after his release, Earl was sentenced. He was arrested in Stockton, California, for petty larceny, and later in Los Angeles for burglary. In 1917, Earl got out of jail, realized he needed some money. So he came up with a scheme. At first, he enlisted in the military. He received a few checks, and then he deserted. Following this first enlistment and desertion, Earl did it over and over and over oh my with different branches using different names. Oh, he found a loophole. Um, this is the United States, right? Mm-hmm. He, but he's not. San Fran right now. I guess he was making people up that he is. Like, that he's Completely playing. different people. It doesn't matter if he's a citizen. Um, but he's technically a Canadian, right? Like, no. 
He's going to travel to Canada. Oh, that's right. We went back we in started. time. Yeah. We made like time traveling noise. <laughs> <laughs> or like some chimes as you go. Yeah. <laughs> now let's go back. <laughs> yes. We'll get chimes. Or or um, we could do Wayne's World. The They do that. You don't have never watched it. Why am I? Even I don't saying know why that? you're even never saying mind. these things to me. <clears throat> I'm gonna. I'll get. They use I'll time turners in Harry Potter, and they don't have sound. Now yeah, that doesn't do us any good. In 1918, while enlisted in the U.S. Navy, Earl was committed to the Napa State Mental Hospital because of his odd and erratic behavior. One naval psychologist, psychologist. She's Louise the Spear. I was going to say. Described Earl as follows. Quote, living in a constitutional psychotic state. End quote. Well, it sounds like he got um, you know, brain damage, obviously, uh, from the crash. But I'm pretty sure a lot of schizophrenia starts after some traumatic brain injury. In none of my research was he ever officially diagnosed. Now, this is like early well, yeah, 1900s where yeah. things like that weren't. No, it's the, no. the mentally ill weren't yeah. as, you know, you just kind of like, ah, we'll put up with them. We'll now, put them all in one place. Yes. <laughs> now, Earl will escape from this facility three times before being discharged from the Navy. These escapes would earn him his first nickname, Houdini. <laughs> now... Living as Evan Lewis Fuller, Earl got a job as a janitor at St. Mary's Hospital in 1919, where he married 60-year-old Mary Martin. This marriage lasted all of six months before Mary claimed that Evan made her life a quote-unquote living hell, and they separated. Did he steal money from her? She actually just complained of like, psychotic rages jealousy things like that huh yeah okay then in may 1921 earl is going to under the guise of being a plumber make his way into a residence and attempt to sexually assault a 12 year old girl named mary summers Gross. but when mary screamed earl fled he would later be captured a few hours passed Riding on a trolley. Mm. Okay. It was after that that Earl would again be readmitted to the Napa State Mental Hospital. This time around, he would only manage to escape twice before he was discharged. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, he's he's just going to leave anyway, just to start he's discharging. He's somewhat better. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, they just want to get rid of him. Like, I... This um, guy is just making everyone <laughs> life a living hell. Let society deal with him. Yes. Like his well, consequences will come. And society does deal with him. I guess he deals with society uh, maybe. Yeah. Eventually. I hope. I don't know. But All right. I now, know a lot more is to come. Yes. Now some people believe Nelson's killing spree began almost immediately after his discharge. There are three murdered women in Philadelphia. In 1925, all killed over a three-week period of time, which all match Earl's eventual killing M.O. Mrs. Ola McCoy, Mrs. Mary Murray, and Mrs. Lillian Weiner. 
Viner. Viner. <laughs> well, you know, given given his mo, we'll go with Viner, um, and that is sexual assault, strangulation. I'm going to tell you. Until death. Right? So all of these women were found murdered. Mangled. They all fought for their lives. They were they were sexually assaulted after death. Their wrists had been bound with strips of cloth using complicated sailor's knots, and clothing had been stolen from each of their homes, later to be found at pawn shops. Now, I think these three were never officially tied to Earl Nelson, despite the fact that Earl Nelson was believed to be in Philadelphia at the time, because not every single detail of their deaths are consistent with the following instances of murder. Which are tied. Yes. Okay. So in 1926, Nelson traveled back to San Francisco, this time as Roger Wilson. It is there that his official killing spree began. Let's discuss his first burst of murders in California. 60-year-old Clara Newman was found strangled, raped after death, and left in a vacant apartment in one of her Pierce Street boarding houses on February 20th, 1926. Laura Beale was found dead, strangled in San Jose on March 2nd. Then on June 10th, Lillian St. Mary was found deceased by strangulation. She also was raped after death. Exactly two weeks later, Ollie Russell, who is 53, was strangled and left in one of her boarding houses. <clears throat> What's the location of these? Are they This is California. All California. Mary Nisbet was found by her husband in the bathroom of a vacant apartment. She had been strangled and raped. Witnesses would tell police that they had seen a smiling stranger, a large man outside of the home prior to her murder. From these descriptions, several names would be given to our perpetrator. Dark Strangler, Gorilla Man, and Gorilla Killer. The name Earl Nelson never came up. <clears throat> Interesting. Uh, it's those long arms. Big I, hands. I'm guessing there's pictures out there. We'll, I've only seen his face. <coughs> we'll post his face on our, on our Instagram uh, yeah. before... You can even listen to, or I guess at the moment you can listen to this. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I'm trying to picture this guy. Do, so do his parents, much? his, I can't remember if it was mom or his dad, but one of his parents is Spanish. The other one is English. So that's where he gets his dark complexion. Yeah. In his picture, his hair is dark and seems a little bit textured, uh-huh. a little bit thick. Yeah. And it's just kind of all over the place. That's weird. That's, that's what I was kind of imagining it was kind of a sort of spanish looking dude only in the early 1900s could you call (laughs) let me tell you when i was reading about him i was like that sounds like jason that's like the same blunt side (laughs) (laughs) however it it like boggles my mind that they can call him a gorilla man because of his like stocky lurking giant arms like that wouldn't fly today you couldn't call some man a gorilla man it just wouldn't work. No, no, not for a Nick. I don't know. I mean, <sighs> his hands must have been massive, though. If they're noticing them just from seeing him outside yeah, the home, that's what I'm saying. Like, if it was, 
if it was um, unchar- uncharacteristic for just like regular humans, you know, you kind of recognize those things. Like that dude's got long arms. Because <laughs> we all have very um, uh, our our bodies are geometrically like the same consistent yeah um like your eyes are actually in the middle of your head and then your nose is in the middle below that and then your mouth is in the middle below your nose and your mm. chin and then your arms should be the exact length of your body which actually mine aren't <laughs> i have longer wingspan than my brother who is four inches taller than me it's really weird yeah but so wait, this uh, guy had the same <laughs> genetics as you. He had uncharacteristically long arms, and you have uncharacteristically long arms. Oddly big hands. I have bigger hands than my dad, who is four interesting four inches taller than me, and my brother is oh four gosh. inches taller than me. <laughs> I'm a little concerned. My hands aren't that big, though. I mean, they're. <laughs> I, I can I barely His thumbs palm. are humongous. They are the <laughs> longest thumbs I have ever seen in my entire life. It's absurd. They are, they are as long as my middle finger. Kind of ape-like, aren't they? Like a gorilla, perhaps? <laughs> I wish. I wish I had big old mittens like Jeez. that. Jeez. Knock you out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway. I'm next to the gorilla killer. <laughs> I'm just saying... Um, Something like that, if it's especially oddly big. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't know. You could get away with it today, maybe. I don't think we really name our serial killers a whole lot anymore. Don't we don't we even, even know have about serial killers anymore. Oh, we we do. do, but if they get, I mean, here's the deal we don't have bad serial killers in terms of skill because of all the cameras and like you're going to get caught. So we, they're only really, really good serial killers. Yeah. And I think we're too scared to name them. And we only know about them because of like some documentary like dove into yeah. all the killings along this highway and it must yeah. be the same person, but they still don't know who it is. And We should get back to that. We should start naming serial killers. I mean, Golden State was the most recent serial killer. He has a name. Wasn't that back um, in like 80s? No, we he was killing in the 80s, but we caught him maybe oh, yeah. five or six years ago. Yeah. BTK was in our lifetime. He has a cool nickname i actually think you're incorrect we do name serial killers but they named those the two you just said they named back in the 80s we named them after though after we no no btk was like quick was that early 90s no he 80 no i think late 90s early 2000s 2000s, he was caught i know but when he started yeah he got that nickname yeah not not long after Um, well, anyway, we are veering. We're, we're do a good course. serial killer. We do need a good serial killer. Hopefully, not one who's half Spanish, half English, with large wingspan. No, I, I don't have the the guts to do anything like that. <laughs> okay, or the back that to stuff our gorilla killer. So, in October of 1926, Earl Nelson would venture up to Portland, Oregon. Over the course of three days, he would murder three more women Jeez. on october 19th 35 year old landlady beta withers was strangled and raped after her death her body was stuffed into a steamer trunk placed in the attic of her home where her son would discover it later did you say a steamer trunk, trunk. what's a steamer 
That's a really good question. Yeah, you then, had too much to go over. Like, what's a steamer? Then on the 20th, I, I have a picture of a steamer trunk in my head. I couldn't describe it to you, but it's there. And we are going to move forward. Because you just made it up. No, I have a steamer trunk. It's what I keep all my memorabilia in. Oh. That's a steamer trunk. You sure? Yes, no. Then on the 20th, 59-year-old Virginia Grant was murdered and her body would be discarded beneath basement floorboards. On October 21st, Mabel Fluke, a very wealthy landlady, was reported to have disappeared from her home, but she would later be found strangled in her own attic. This, The one thing that's blowing my mind with Mm -hmm. everything you've said in the past... I don't know, four minutes. Uh, everybody's found. Yeah. It's, he's not even well, trying he kind to. of is, but he's doing it in places where once the woman is like, oh, she's missing, that's exactly where they're going to search for her. Yeah, he's just he's buying himself trying. time. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He's a drifter, just drifting away and. Killing ladies. Killing ladies. Moving on. Drifting on. And he's like, this is the life for me. Yeah. Now, once again, back in San Francisco, Earl Nelson will be seen by our next victim's friends. 56-year-old Anna Edmonds was found raped and murdered on November 18th, and her friends will tell police that a strange and large man was seen in the parlor of her home, claiming to be interested in buying a piece of property that was for sale. These descriptions match those of the gorilla killer and do you know what i can't stop thinking of every time i say gorilla killer Hmm. the thriller in manila so i'm going to tie this serial killer with a boxing bout between muhammad ali and frazier because it's the illa rhyming that Uh, just like yeah yeah the thriller in manila the thriller in manila the gorilla killer You've got the growing up with boxing. Uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't think of it once. No, I could not. Every time I said Gorilla Killer, I was like, oh, the thriller. Gorilla we Killer. should watch that documentary. Gorilla Killer. Um, yeah. And then you probably want to like write a rap verse. Yeah, well, yeah. But you should. I, I was more thinking, since you're thinking that, instead of saying Gorilla Killer, from now on, you should say Gorilla Killer. Okay. Gorilla killer. <laughs> just kidding. You don't have to do that. <laughs> but from what you just said, I mean, you might as well. <laughs> All right. Well, Thriller the, in Manila. The Thriller in Manila. Now, We're talking about the Gorilla Killer. Oh, I wish I could like just go into a verse <laughs> of rap. I, I wish I was skilled like that, too. We no, could, uh, I'm literally ask, wearing a sweatshirt that has Christmas trees on it. <laughs> We so could no, ask uh, our buddy Mikey G okay. to, to write us a rap for that. Yeah. Give us a little, <laughs> give us a few bars for this, bud. Please. As an intro. <laughs> <laughs> and back to the story. The next day, the 19th of November, a 28-year-old pregnant woman will be attacked in Burlingame, California, while showing a home to Nelson. Mrs. H.C. Murray is going to survive the attack and is able to give officials a description. She would say that her attacker was 5 feet 8 inches tall, well-dressed, well-spoken, 
stocky, and had very, very large hands. All right. So what's crazy is I was like three times now when we got distracted by stupid rabbit holes or squirrels. <laughs> no, um, those are squirrels. <laughs> those rabbit are squirrels. holes are worth yeah. diving into. Squirrels yeah. are squirrels a complete are... waste of time. And there we go. Another squirrel. Um, I was going to ask you, because you keep describing every, no, not you, everybody's testimony keeps describing, well, you know, there's a large man and, um, and I'm like, well, what's, what's large? His hands. But he's big. Like uh, what, what are they seeing as big? And then I was, so my one question was how tall is he? He's short. And you haven't, I, as far as I know, my brain doesn't quite take in everything, but I don't think you've said how tall he was until right now. And 5'8"? He's short. He's stocky. Well, 5'8 isn't short. 5'8 is an average man's size. I'm 5'10", so. 5'8 <laughs> um, is the average man's size, so uh, it's not like he's giant. He's just a regular man, unless he is uh, I don't know, really... Just in good shape, broad shoulders. Everything I read, he was like super strong, like so, really, really strong. Yeah, so yeah. even if he's not super, super tall, average, yeah, I feel like he's probably just solid. So what I'm imagining in my head is you see those old pictures of uh, like world's strongest man, like back in this time. Yeah. Early 1900s mm-hmm. compared to world's strongest man now. <laughs> is way different. Like the world's strongest man then is kind of, I don't know. He does like, doesn't look super special, you know, like definitely muscular, right. but not like anybody, uh, that you can't just walk into planet fitness or, um, I, I was going to say lifetime. Yeah. That is national night lifetime fitness and not see like 20 dudes. Why don't you say Bally's total fitness? I don't, I don't think we have any bowlies left in Colorado. <laughs> I, I was going to say 24 hour fitness, but I'm There's pretty sure they are out. No, I think I, I'm going to, while I keep talking, I think you should look up a picture of him okay. because the way you're describing him, I feel like his head should be big. He should have really broad shoulders. He really doesn't. I think nope. he, but that's what I'm saying is now that you've said, yeah, look what at this said, picture. I don't now. I'm not seeing like all this right. big dude, but apparently back then maybe all the dudes were small, and you know, like that's what you get. All right, look at his picture, and I'm gonna keep talking. Genetically modified food, you know, makes us all a whole lot bigger. Gen mods. <laughs> Next, Florence Monks and Blanche Myers are both going to be found murdered in Seattle and Portland, respectively. Finally, after so many similar murders, police along the West Coast begin issuing warnings to women, especially those with rooms to rent. So Earl Nelson felt that he needed to move on. After giving away pieces of Florence Monk's jewelry to women in the boarding house where he was staying, Earl Nelson headed east. From December 23rd to December 28th, Nelson will murder three more women and an eight-month-old baby. In Council Bluffs, Iowa, 41-year-old Almina Bernard was raped and murdered. 
on the 27th in Kansas City, Missouri, 23-year-old Bonnie Pace was murdered and strangled. Why would I say murdered and strangled? She was murdered via strangulation. (laughs) (laughs) She was murdered and then she was strangled and died. I'm sure it's happened before. <laughs> I'm sure it's very weird for that coroner to put. No, like, she was murdered. Everybody's going to think this is a ta- typo. Okay. But this person was strangled. I'm just going to say this now murdered. as a disclaimer and then also credit for me. I had zero research done, zero script written. And Jason was like, yeah, we should probably record today. And this is what I have been doing. So the fact that that's the one error I have found so far, good job, me. Oh, that's great. Thank uh, you. Also, like... He's average, we, right? Uh, okay. Well, I was going to say, I I knew you could do it. <laughs> um, you also, I mean, I know you put a lot of work in this because you're on every episode. You're working on it all the time. To actually see you do it in one all day. day long. Literally every single minute. And... You know, like you had stuff you wanted to do. And I was like, why don't you take a break and go do that? And you're like, nope, if I do that, we won't record. And look, I think it's important that the two people that listen to us get an episode. We had somebody outside the country listen, Jason. So whoever (laughs) you are, gracias. (laughs) She loves that stat. (laughs) I bet they were in Australia. Thank you, mate. (laughs) Thank you, mate. (laughs) All right. Uh, Back to Gorilla Man Strangler case, which I just read right here. I didn't just make that up. Anyway, I'm looking at the pictures. Uh, We will have pictures on our Instagram. If you're not following that, go there, follow that. Perfectly Um, paired with podcasts. Yeah, we're going to... It's got some good stuff, but it's about to have a whole lot more because we're we're diving into this. Um, And we're finally... I know I've said this so many freaking episodes... (laughs) I think we have finally figured out. We stupid. Yes, we have <laughs> stupid videos. <laughs> okay. All right. Do you have a comment about the way he looks? Because we are <clears throat> losing momentum and we're near the end. Oh, perfect. Um. So, yeah, he 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 looks. I, I guess I yeah. I could see him being like a strong looking dude. I mean, kind of looks like a mafia guy. He um, absolutely looks like a mafia guy. Yeah. There's like a picture of him holding his hands up close to his face. Did you see that? Yes. Um, yeah, his hands are... He's got some big mitts. Mm-hmm. And I know there's probably a little bit of camera optical illusion on that. But at the same time, yeah, he's his hands are abnormally large. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. But yeah, I, I, I could see... We'll put pictures up. But I could see that... You know, people being like, oh, yeah, he, he was a big man. All right. But then you see him getting carried out of the courtyard, out of the court. <laughs> and he's smaller than both the detective, uh, detectives carrying him out. I don't know. Interesting. Okay. One day later, on the 28th, 28-year-old Jermaine Herpin was strangled and raped. This was followed by the strangulation of her eight-month-old son using a diaper. Nelson, claiming to be Charles Harrison, would kill five more victims from April 1927 to June 1927 in the United States. Mary McConnell, Jenny Randolph, 
Fannie Mae, Maureen Atorthy, Mary Cecilia Sietzma were all killed in places like Philadelphia, Buffalo, Detroit, and Chicago. Holy crap. All with similar details. Strangulation, rape, and missing items. Plus descriptions of a stocky killer with oddly large hands. (laughs) What's our kill count at this point? I think 22. Oh, my goodness. No, it would have been 20. It was the men's clothing taken from Mary Cecilia Sietzma's home that are the items that our dark stranger traded in at the second-hand store in Winnipeg, Canada, before brutally murdering our first and second victims, Lola Cohen and Emily Patterson. And when I say first and second, I mean the ones that I have addressed in this podcast. Yeah, the ones at the beginning. Yes. So this clearly brings us back to our escaped Virgil Wilson, or should I call him Earl Leonard Nelson. After escaping the Killarney police cell, he found himself a barn where he stayed the night. Inside the barn, he found a sweater and a pair of old hockey skates. Needing new shoes, our serial killer, Nelson removed the blades and left the next morning wearing a moth-eaten sweater and makeshift skate shoes. As he left the barn, he chatted friendly, friendly? <laughs> friendly. <laughs> with the farmer and confidently bummed a few smokes from him on his way out. So he's on the farmer's property. In his barn. Stole his sweater and right. ruined his skates in Canada, which Let's I think say, is a crime. We don't have... Um, yeah, hockey skates. Uh, you might as well steal the guy's car. Yeah. Be better off than hockey skates. Um, but we don't know like where he chatted up with the farmer. Regardless, no, no. I think we do know. Oh, really? So there are two tellings of this situation. Uh-huh. Now, the first one, some sources say that despite Nelson's unshakable confidence, the farmer was incredibly leery. Spare and immediately called authorities, after which Nelson was arrested before making it very much further down the road away from the barn. So it's literally like he's walking out, stretching in his new sweater. His stupid shoes are probably like (laughs) messing up the dirt. And this farmer is out like taking care of business, just watching this strange man (laughs) leave his barn. And he's like, Hey, dude. Hey, thanks for the st- let me stay. Do you have any cigarettes? Appreciate the sweater. And oh, by the way, we have the same size shoe. Yeah, totally. Not fuck- the same size hands. Totally fucked up your skates. Do you want to test but, them? Um, don't don't worry about that. You'll find some new ones. <laughs> Can I have some cigarettes? I left your blades in there for you, though. So that's the first yeah. telling of the story. Can I, I bum a smoke? <laughs> a couple, <fast>? please. <laughs> but another source says this. Nelson's going to leave the barn. He's going to board a train. And to Nelson's own dismay is going to find that the train he was currently on was actually transporting members of Winnipeg's own police force. (gasps) Either way, (laughs) 
Earl Leonard Nelson will be officially taken into custody for the last time. Now, those. <laughs> sorry, I just I just had a lot of beer, but I had something to say. Um, those two tellings are so different. <laughs> so different. <laughs> like, there's no way that either of them is exactly how I am. No, and I'm telling <laughs> you, like, I had, and I'm hoping what I provided for everybody is the closest to the truth. Every source I read was a little bit different from the last one. Mm. It was insane to me. But I guess it's removed a hundred plus years. Yeah. yeah. No, it, for know. sure. You, you won't have, you know, probably the exact. It's all, a lot of it's word of mouth. I, well, I guess all of it is. Um, but it's still kind of fun to... <laughs> Just imagine this dude just coming out of the barn. Just uh, there was, or or if or if he wasn't even like, say the farmer didn't see him coming out of the barn or anything, but he's like work, he's tilling on something mm-hmm. in the garden. This dude just walks up to him and starts chatting him up. There, and he's like, "What are you?" Like, all he's thinking is like, "What are you doing on my property?" But at the same time. I don't know. You got me engaged. Yeah, here's a smoke. Hey, is that my sweater? And. As he leaves, yeah, he starts like. Are those my skates? Hold on, I swear that's. My, I swear that's my. Um, those are not regular shoes. Those are skates. And then he goes into his barn. He's like, "Son the- of a bitch, <laughs> I'm calling the police." There was a Canadian news article which just kind of expounded upon Nelson's charisma and his confidence and his just complete and total lack of, like, any acknowledgement that he would ever be caught. That's like it was almost like a godlike yeah. approach. And I mean, if you're taking the lives of women because you can, I mean, some oh, level you think he's, that that's what he's you are. using. It seems like he's using, you know, the the murder than rape as like that's his sexual life. Like he, that's how he gets his rocks off. Mm-hmm. Is those like those actions? Like he's not gonna. It's too much work to try and he had that wife before and she wasn't putting up with any of his garbage six months later she's like see ya he was like you know what i could do it this way and um nobody says anything i'm good i'll move on to the next town and i think it's very interesting that some women he rapes before they're dead and some women he rapes after which to me tells me like the rape is the end goal and if he can do it before the woman's dead great yeah. But if not, he absolutely is going to accomplish that goal yeah. before moving on. Yeah, I think it was all it was all a way for him to get his and he's mentally insane. Mm-hmm. Um and so he's got his justification there and probably I mean, maybe that confidence also comes with not even fully knowing what he's doing is totally wrong or he knows and no, you sound like his defense attorney is gross <laughs> yeah <Look>, i'm just <laughs> playing because de- you guys are related just playing devil's advocate that's all uh and if he's schizophrenic you know there could be that other side of him saying nope okay. nope you're good you're good um anyway let's all let's right. go on i want to so see how canadian officials send nelson's photos to departments across the united states only to receive in return positive identifications from California and Illinois for crimes committed in those states. Nelson would continually say that he, in fact, was Virgil Wilson, 
but fingerprint records from California would prove him utterly wrong. (laughs) He was Earl Leonard Nelson. At one moment, Nelson would admit to his crimes very early on. He then recanted, and then never again would he admit any guilt. Within four weeks of the capture, Nelson had been indicted in crime, indicted for crimes in San Francisco, Portland, Detroit, Philadelphia, and Buffalo. In total, Nelson would be tied to at least 22 murders officially, but would only stand trial for two, Lola Cohen and Emily Patterson. Nelson's trial began on November 1st, 1927. His ex-wife would testify, as well as countless witnesses, all tying Nelson to the boarding houses of victims, pawn shops where stolen items were pawned, even to specific pieces of stolen property. On 11-15, November 15, the jury deliberated for all of 40 minutes. Oh. And returned with a guilty verdict on both murder charges. Nelson was then sentenced to death. On January 13th, 1928, from November the previous year, Earl Leonard Nelson, the Dark Strangler, or the Gorilla Strangler, which is the last name bestowed upon Nelson by the Manitoba Free Press, was executed via hanging at 7.30 a.m. in Winnipeg, Canada. Now, many people believe that when a person is hung to death, it's an instantaneous death when a person's neck is broken. They believe the spinal cord separating from the brain stem brings about this instant death. Those people are wrong. According to the Delaware Hanging Protocol, which is largely considered to be the how-to manual for execution by hanging. Good old Delaware providing (laughs) us that handbook. I would have guessed Florida or Texas. (laughs) The actual cause of death when someone is hung is strangulation. See, cervical dislocation only creates unconsciousness. Then, in a matter of minutes, as the rope around the neck blocks the windpipe, the condemned dies due to lack of oxygen in their brain. Now, hanging is a science. If the rope is too long, the condemned will fall through the trap door with too great a force, and their head will literally be pulled off. Now this, this is too close to being drawn and quartered, which is considered (laughs) cruel and unusual punishment in both the United States and Canada. You can't go into a lot of these details and expect me not to ask some questions (laughs) or say something. Then ask. So if the rope is too long... The force is too great and the head pops off. But does it actually come off the body? Or is it separation and bones and it stays... Wait, wait. Hold on. So you're... Dave, this is for you. Hold on. You can't... Pops right off. (laughs) You... So just like that <laughs> we're talking about decapitation and you <laughs> pop your cheek <laughs> that's what happens but that's considered cruel and unusual punishment in the united states and there's a similar law in canada at the time so his rope was not too long so what's funny is like 
Don't you want to know what happens if the rope's too short? I do, I do. But it almost sounds like it's not cruel and unusual punishment. It's actually too easy to go out that way. Oh, I think it's cruel and unusual to have your red your head ripped much, from your body. How much do you think you feel of that though? It's like a split second. No, like your head. Rip. No, if your head gets cut off, you re- like you remain conscious for like eight seconds. Oh no, kidding! Seriously. Oh. No. Okay. If the rope is too short, you totally made this funny, and now I can't do it serious. <laughs> now, if the rope is too short, the condemned is not rendered unconscious. So they just hang there, gasping, flailing about, retching until they die. That's so. That's what this I. This too think of is, is considered cruel and unusual. Yeah, like if it if the neck doesn't break when they go, they're all right. They struggle through it all. But you're saying that. If it's too long and the force the is neck, too great, the but head. But if just, it's a perfect amount, wait, wait, pops right off. <laughs> can you? You can't do that just with your mouth. I can't. I can't. Oh, there you go. Okay. Um. So, all right. So the ropes, the the right length. Yeah. It, it breaks the neck, knocks you unconscious. Actually, doesn't kill you. Nope. And then you strangle to death. Correct. And that takes a little bit because you don't just strangle minutes, yeah. to death. Mm-hmm. My guess is you come back in consciousness. I don't think you actually ever do. I think once your your bones in your neck are separated from your brainstem, I don't think you come back into consciousness. How do they know, though? Because if your bones are separating your neck, you're paralyzed. Yeah, but it doesn't kill you. Paralyzed people don't die. I know. But usually you got a bag over your face and... Why do people have a bag over their face? They usually do in the movies. <laughs> you mean people who get their heads cut off? No, when they hang. <laughs> oh, hanging victims. I'm. I. We've come back around, Jess. We've come back around. That's for you. Um, I got what you're saying. Yeah. Yes, people who are hung are normally. Did you think I went on to? Uh, I thought you were talking about guillotine. <laughs> Oh, paralyzed people. <laughs> I didn't understand why they had bags over their heads. No. <laughs> no. Okay. Oh my gosh, that was a squirrel. Um, no. I'm talking okay. about hanging people. They have back. How do they know? Like they aren't coming I, back to they life. They just anyway, know. You don't Delaware know. Knows. Delaware knows. Delaware knows. That question. Delaware okay. knows. Apparently, we're gonna we're gonna try this from the top and with a note of seriousness. Are you ready? Now. Hanging is a science. If the rope is too long, the condemned will fall straight through the trap door with too great a force and their head will literally be pulled off their body. This is too close to being drawn and quartered, which is considered cruel and unusual punishment in both the United States and Canada. Now, if the rope is too short, the condemned is not rendered unconscious so they just hang there, gasping, flailing about, and retching until they die. This, too, is considered cruel and unusual. So it was. Earl Nelson was executed, hung in the most humane way possible. But there is a sense of irony, maybe even poetic justice, to know that this man, this man who preyed upon these women willing to welcome strangers into their homes, giving them a room where they could sleep safe and sound, would die in like manner to them. 
there might be some comfort knowing that like his victims, this gorilla strangler spent his last moments alive on earth just like them with a brain starving, crying out for oxygen, which would never come 